morning, everyone. I trust you're blessed. I trust you're well. And uh, it's such a privilege, such an honor to be here uh, with you in Medway. Perhaps you can put the screen on me. Um, it's still on um, Olu. So whoever's controlling, come on, put that thing on my face. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, whilst they try and sort out their technical issues, I want to pray again and ask the Holy Spirit just to help us uh, regarding, thank you very much, regarding uh, what we're going to hear today. So let's pray again. Holy Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. And Lord, I thank you that today we will have understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to share with us concerning uh, partnering with Jesus through faith. Partnering with Jesus through faith. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 and 29, uh, the scripture says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow. What an amazing miracle. What an amazing event that a man could walk on water. Not only was our Lord Jesus walking on water, but now Peter, one of his disciples, is also walking on water. And this event has within it so many incredible truths to empower us when it comes to faith. So many lessons we can learn about faith and about how we are to walk with Jesus, even in these days of various testing that we're going through. And so I want to read the whole narrative that surrounds this verse and then we're going to talk about, we're going to analyze certain lessons. If we have time, 12 principles of faith that we can learn from this event and how we partner with Jesus through faith. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read from verses 22 to 33. He says, immediately, now this is after Jesus had fed the 5,000 and sent, after he'd fed the 5,000. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So we're using principles from these verses to teach us how we partner with Jesus through faith. Beloved child of God, God has called us to be in partnership with him in his kingdom. And everything that God wants to do in the earth, he wants to do it through his church, us. We are the custodians of his kingdom. This year, our emphasis is kingdom impact. And faith is an important prerequisite for you to be able to function effectively in the kingdom of God. In fact, I like to say it like this, faith is the 
currency of the kingdom because it is through faith and it is by faith which we are able to appropriate or have for ourselves the things that God has already provided for us in his kingdom. And so it is essential that we understand faith. Now we know that faith is believing. It is the ability to believe. It is the capacity to believe. And faith is what pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith will cause you to be diligent. It will cause you to be focused. It will cause you to have an expectation for certain outcomes. Faith is spiritual. Faith is supernatural. Faith that we're talking about is believing God and his word. And so this is what we're talking about. Partnering with Jesus through believing his word and the words of God and how it applies to our lives. So the first principle out of these verses is this. Identify the instructions of God for your life if you want to partner with Jesus through faith. If you want to have a lifestyle of faith where you are able to activate the supernatural, learn to identify the instructions of God for your life. You see, in verse 22, Jesus instructed his disciples to meet him on the other side. And that instruction was clear. Now, when God gives an instruction, he's not guessing. When God gives us a word, it's not a guess. God is very clear when he speaks to us. And what has God spoken to you about when it comes to your life? Whatever God has said to you is what he is committed to when it comes to your life. Because God is only committed to his word when it comes to our lives, seeing the outcomes that he desires. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, the NIV version, the scripture says, the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, because he asked Jeremiah, what do you see? And then he says, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. God is always concerned about his word. And so when God speaks to us a word, that is what he's committed to. So the first thing, when you want to walk a life of faith with Jesus, you must learn to identify the words of Jesus, the words of God, as it relates to your life. What has God spoken to you about? What has God said to you over the years about? What is God saying to you now? What does God's word speak to you to do in your current situation? These are the things that God is committed to and that he expects us to observe. All right, that's the first principle. Second principle is this. If you want to partner with Jesus through faith, empower yourself through prayer for what is ahead. Notice in verse 23 that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. Now, if the Son of God, the uncreated Son of God, needed to pray, how much more you and I? Now, one of the functions of prayer is that prayer is a vehicle for empowerment. When you spend time with God, he gives you the strength and the ability to do things that otherwise you would have found difficult. Spending time in the presence of God empowers us to face the future. Whatever the future is, as we spend time with him, we are able to face that future. It is so important, child of God, that you place a premium on spending time with God if you want to be a man or a woman of faith, a man or a woman that sees the supernatural power of God through their lives. In Luke 22, verses 41 to 43, we see that the Lord Jesus himself had to spend time in prayer. In fact, it's at least three hours before he went to Calvary. 
it says in verse 41, and he was withdrawn in Gethsemane, he was withdrawn from about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. I have found in my own life many, 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 many countless times where I have been extremely weak, where I have been overwhelmed with life, where I have been challenged with things that seem to get the best out of me. But then when I have spent time in the presence of God, I received strength and the ability to overcome what seemed to be overcoming me. Beloved, learn to spend time with God and empower yourself through prayer for what is ahead if you want to partner with Jesus through faith. The third thing, that principle I want you to notice is this. Prepare for trouble after you receive a word from God. Oh dear, that's not very good news, I'm sure. But it's a very important truth to learn. Every time God speaks a clear prophetic word or a clear instruction to you about something significant for your life, you must prepare for that word to be challenged. That's why empowering yourself in prayer is important as a lifestyle, not as a one-off, but as a lifestyle. You see, after Jesus had told them to meet him on the other side and send them on the boat, he's the one who put them on that boat and told them to meet him on the other side. Verse 24 says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. It's as if the devil waited for the boat to be in the middle of the sea. It's as if God also waited for the boat to be in the middle of the sea where it would be difficult for them to go back to the shore where they came from. And then the winds came. Many times when God gives us a clear word about our future, as we commit to that word, that word is then tested. Every significant word of God given to us will be tested. In fact, Psalm 18 verse 13 says this. Verse 30, I beg your pardon, says this. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. The word of the Lord is proven. How is it proven? Because it is tested. Psalm 12, 6 says, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. The word of the Lord is tested. It is true. They are pure, undiluted. So when God gives you a word, place a premium on that word, but recognize that word will be tested. Now, our brother Joseph is an example of one whose word was tested through time and circumstance. Psalm 105, this is Joseph ben Jacob, not this Joseph here. Joseph, the son of Jacob. Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19 says this. He, talking about God, sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested it. Now, what was that word that Joseph had that had to come to pass? It was as a 17-year-old boy when he had a dream from God telling him that he was going to be the leader of his family, the leader of his house. And that word had to be tested. And it was tested for 13 solid years through which he went through slavery. He went through chains, was a, a labeled a, as an attempted rapist and all kinds of things, terrible things because of the word of the Lord. Sometimes when God has spoken to us about something, adverse circumstances come our way. And when they come our way, they give us labels that are contrary to what God had said. Beloved, don't allow your life to be determined by your circumstances, but by the word that God has spoken 
to you. I want you to notice again in verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. When you are experiencing contrary winds in your life, it doesn't mean that God is contrary against you. Those contrary winds that have come are there for your benefit in the long run. And so don't allow yourself to be moved by the winds that you are currently facing that are adversary that are adversary to you or adversarial to you. Don't allow that to set you off course. Be focused on what God has spoken to you concerning your life, concerning your future. Fourth lesson. Um, I may not be able to finish it all, um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we do. Fourth lesson. Expect Jesus to meet you at his appointed time if you want to partner with him through faith. You see, Jesus met them during the fourth watch. Verse 25 says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now the fourth watch is about three o'clock in the morning. It's a very awkward time. It's not really the best time. It's a time when your body is quite tired, when you're really not switched on, when you're feeling a bit nearly falling asleep. And that was when Jesus decided to show up. At the same time, at this very awkward time, is when the winds were contrary. What am I trying to say? God works according to his time, not our own. He is never late and he's never early, but God will always be on time, his time. So it is important for you as a child of God not to allow what appears to be a delay in the promises of God for your life to put you off trusting God. But learn to trust God that in the fullness of time, he will meet you at your time of need or at your appointed time for your destiny. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of, of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God sent forth his son at the fullness of time. Now, from when Isaiah prophesied and the prophets before prophesying, hundreds of years went by. Different ones were hoping they were going to be the Messiah or the, the mother of the Messiah and so forth. And it never happened. In fact, the 400-year gap between Malachi and the Gospel of Matthew, the Maccabees rose up, believing that they were going to save Israel. And uh, whilst they were valiant men, they were not the answer that God had promised. Because God had his time. Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us that to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Beloved, your time will come. Your time will come when God says it is time. And when God says it is time, there is no devil, there is no curse, there is no witchcraft, there is no circumstance that can thwart when God says now is the time. That's why we must learn to trust God to meet us at this appointed time. So I say to you, my brothers and sisters, I say to you, submit to God's timing. Don't try and force God's will into a situation when you have not heard God about his will. Learn to be patient. Learn to wait, to trust God. Yes, we do what we're supposed to do, but we do not force the issue where God is silent. All right, fifth principle when it comes to partnering with Jesus through faith. Learn to recognize Jesus in every situation. You see, the disciples mistook Jesus for a ghost in verse 26. He says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried for fear. Can you imagine? Jesus, the solution to their problem has come and they don't recognize him because they're so caught up in their situation that they actually see Jesus as a danger. 
a ghost, and they were terrified. Listen, every situation we face in our lives has Jesus in it somewhere. You must learn to recognize Jesus in your situation. Every situation you and I face is ultimately working for our good. Scripture tells us in Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Beloved, you must know this truth as a personal revelation if it is going to benefit you. In whatever you are facing, you must know it's working for your good. In my own personal testimony, I am so grateful to God with all the challenges that I have been facing because I know they have been working for my good. Even now, I can see how amazingly they have worked for my good. And I tell you, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the times when I am confused and I don't know what to do, I know one thing, this situation is working for my good, and this also will pass. Beloved, whatever you are facing, it is working for your good, and it will pass. It is not come to stay. It has come to pass. Learn to acknowledge God's presence in every situation, even when you cannot feel his presence. At times, we want to feel God's presence, but we can't feel him. It doesn't mean he's not there. Sometimes we can be in the very presence of God and not realize it. In Genesis 20, verse 16, Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Jacob did not. And he is not speaking again. Of God. Jacob did not recognize okay. the presence of God in his situation. Even though, even though he was facing, uh, even though he was asleep in that place, he didn't recognize the presence of God. He wakes up and he realizes, wow, God was in this place and I did not know it. Sometimes God will use negative circumstances or situations for his own purpose without us realizing it. You know, there's a very interesting uh, situation in the book of Judges. Now, somebody said that they couldn't hear me. Is that the case? Can you guys hear me or not? If you can hear me, just say amen or hallelujah or something. Amen. Amen. So whoever you are, next time, if you can't hear, don't speak over because it might be your internet that's giving you problems. All right. Let us continue. So sometimes we are facing circumstances that can be, can appear negative. These circumstances can appear negative, but even though they are negative, God is still using them for his own purposes. In, in Judges chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, I want to read this out to you um, because it has a very interesting narrative here. It says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines, so he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, there are many things we can say about this. Uh, sometimes God will use our self-will, our selfishness, our stubbornness, our disobedience in a manner that suits his redemptive purposes, even though he does not approve of our actions. It's important for you to understand that God did not approve of what Samson was doing, but God used what he was doing to attack 
the Philistines so that Samson could fulfill his purpose. What am I trying to say to you? Sometimes in our lives, there are things that are going on that are terrible. They are not good things. They are bad things. But God allows it in order to fulfill his purpose through us. Sometimes we can even face dangerous situations without realizing that God has already gone ahead of us for the victory. And so the danger that we are facing is God allowing it to come because he has ensured victory. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, the scripture says this, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, that's the enemy. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Beloved, I want to say to you, don't be afraid. If you are right now facing situations that are fearful and difficult, don't be afraid. Don't allow those situations to take you off track and cause you to become fearful because God is with you and he's on your side. And as you partner with Jesus through faith, you will see the victory. Sixth principle, Jesus wants us to be strengthened and encouraged whenever he draws near to us. In whatever situation we're facing, if we want to be partners with Jesus through faith, we must understand his heart towards us. His heart towards us is always for us to be strengthened and encouraged. In verse 27, after they thought he was a ghost, Jesus encouraged them not to be afraid. He says, immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. Come on, guys, be happy. It is I. Do not be afraid. God does not want us to be fearful or intimidated by anything or by anyone. In Proverbs 3.25, it says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of the trouble from the wicked when it comes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if the wicked one attack you. Don't be afraid of sudden terror. Don't be afraid. Don't be faced. In Psalm 56, verse 11, the scripture says, In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Now, there is a holy fear of God. That's not what we're talking about. We must never lose the holy fear of God, the holy reverence of God. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is fear that causes condemnation. In other words, fear that causes us to be sentenced to a situation that will destroy our lives. Fear that results in a sentence of death. Fear that results in a pronouncement of disaster over our life. No, we, we, we don't want that. We're talking about that. And also, we're talking about, in the case of the disciples, fear of the unknown. You see, they did not know it was Jesus. They thought he was a ghost. And because of that, they were afraid. Now, what can a ghost really do? If you think it's true, what can a ghost do? I mean, if a ghost are real, they are dead. The guy is dead. So he can't do nothing. You know, many, many years ago, this is a true story. I was lying in my bed, lying in my bed. And suddenly, I felt and saw like somebody standing by my bed. Standing. Some spirit standing by my bed. Can you imagine the audacity of these spirits. So this time I said, you know what? This is what I actually said. I said, you know what? You can stay there as long as you like. I'm not even going to bother with you. And I went straight to sleep. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? Because they can't do anything to you. Listen, God has given us tremendous promises in his word. But one scripture I want to read to you is in Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. It says this, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. Or you can put your name down, O Joseph, or O Mecca, or O Nicholas. And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Listen, God calls you by your name. You belong to him. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. 
And when and, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flames scorch you. You see, it doesn't mean you won't go through fire. It doesn't mean you won't go through floods. It doesn't mean you won't go through problems. But they will not overwhelm you. They will not overcome you. They will not prevail against you. What are you facing right now? Is it sickness in your body? It cannot prevail against you. What are you facing right now? Is a financial challenge that seems to be overwhelming you? It cannot prevail against you. What are you facing right now? Are you facing some challenges at work that seem to be insurmountable to you? It cannot overcome you. Beloved, whatever you are facing, God knows you by name. You are his child. You belong to him. Therefore, it cannot prevail against you. Oh, hallelujah. What a wonderful God we serve. Now, my time is almost up, so I'm going to give one more principle and then I'm going to stop because I want to give you opportunity to ask me questions um, about what we've been sharing. So the last um, principle I want to share of the 12 is number seven. If you want to partner with God when it comes to walking by faith or partnering with Jesus through faith, ask God for the authority to do what you desire before you embark on it. Ask God for the authority to do what you desire before you embark on it. He says, you see, in verse 28, he says, Peter asked Jesus for permission to walk on water. Wow. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. You see, even though Jesus said, it is I, be of good cheer, he still wasn't sure. So he said, if it is you, tell me to come on the walk on water. And when the Lord spoke that word, Peter walked on water. Wow. Whatever it is that you're going to embark on, it is essential that you have the authority of God to do it. Many, many, many times I have wanted to do things but when I've sought the Lord, and I'm talking good things, I'm not talking bad things like times I want to plant a church in an area, times I want to go on a mission in a certain area, times I want to do, I want to preach the gospel in a certain area, times I want to embark on something concerning the kingdom. But when I would seek the Lord, he would say no. He would say no. You see, it is important that everything we do, we've got the backing, the authority of God to do it. And so Peter asked Jesus, and he gave him permission. And I like what our Lord tells us to do in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. And then 8 says, for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks it shall be opened. God desires that we, sorry, I beg your pardon. Jesus desires that we ask God for what is important to us. Things that are important to us, Jesus wants us to bring this to the Father so that the Father can respond. In John chapter 16, verse 24, he says, Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Until now, that's the time when he was talking, the disciples had asked nothing in his name. But now he's saying ask. From that point onwards, we are to ask in his name and we will receive. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. So whatever you want to do with your life, if you want to partner with Jesus through faith, bring God into it. Bring Jesus into it. Let Jesus be the center, the focus, the one that you pass it by. I have learned by experience to always talk to the Lord about what is on my heart and what is important to me. And I have discovered that as I have done that, I will get the impartation I need and the wisdom I need for the steps ahead. Oh, hallelujah.
my brothers, my sisters, my beloved family of Medway Church, I want to encourage you to partner with Jesus through faith. Be partners with him. In whatever situation you are facing, Jesus is on your side. You are his child. You are his younger brother, younger sister, his younger sibling in his kingdom. He died for you to give you the freedom to live resurrected life. I want to encourage you this morning that your faith is stirred and strengthened and that you will decide to submit whatever you're going through to him. I want us to pray right now. Right now, as I've been sharing, you might be listening and you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus. If you want to partner with Jesus through faith, the most important thing you can do is to surrender your heart to him. I want to pray for you. Also, as I've been sharing, you might be here, you're doing God's work, but you've been very discouraged. Perhaps you have not seen what you want to see. I feel in my spirit strongly that somebody who's listening has been very discouraged about what they have been doing for God. And there is a scripture that I believe is for you. That scripture is uh, found in Hebrews. Um, and I want to read it to you. It's a very, very important scripture. And it talks about how God is not unrighteous. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. It says this. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. My beloved brother or sister, whoever you are, God is not unjust to forget all the good you've been doing over the years. Don't give up now. I want to pray with you. Those who are surrendering their heart to Jesus, those who are rededicating themselves to the Lord, and those who are, have been discouraged and are asking the Lord for strength. Father, in Jesus' name, I bring every one of them before you. Holy Father, I ask that your spirit will just bear witness in their hearts concerning what they should do. Those who need to surrender their life to Jesus, Lord, will you bring them to a place of salvation? Father, those who have lost their way, who need to be restored in their faith, will you strengthen them? Those who have felt like giving up, will you empower them? I speak blessing and grace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, the Lord bless you. I want to hand back to Olu, I believe, and uh, we're going to open up for a time of questions and answers. If you, I'm not sure if you're ready for this, if you're prepared for it, but um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. And then also I have an announcement at the end, so um, don't forget Olu. So I hand back to Olu. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, Pastor Joe. Timely word. Um, if you do have a question, um, I'd like to invite you to um, just ask it in the chat and then I'll um, ask it to Pastor Joe um, or just signify to me um, and then I will um, get that question across. So we're going to just open up the floor now and ask anybody if they have any questions just regarding the word that has been brought, partnering in faith, partnering with, with God and understanding the, the, these elements of faith. Please do write in the chat um, and I will ask God that, um, ask Pastor Joe those questions. Okay. I'm going to give people another minute or two um, and if I don't see anything in the chat then I will assume people do not want to ask any questions. Okay, thank you very much. A great word.
Okay, Pastor Joe, can I ask you a, qu a quick question? Um, so a, a question for me. So as we're coming to um, thinking um, and, and um, um, preparing for the um, Gifts of the Spirit, the Refresh Conference, how can we in this last week um, initiate and build our faith and, and work up our faith in the context of receiving the gifts of the Spirit? Because these gifts are, are given to us and are now often dormant. And over the last week or so as a church, we've been thinking about how we can activate these gifts. Could you just help and share with us just how we can be deliberate about what, what kind of going in terms of faith, in terms of these activations, activating these gifts? So basically, you want me to preach my message that I'll <laughs> cover. Just, just give us a snippet. Yeah, so um, it's a very good question, first of all. Um, one of the things that I've learned, I learned very early in my walk with God was how I responded to the word of God when I was hearing it. And uh, if you want to be really prepared for the conference, my encouragement to you would be just be simply asking God for him to use you in the gifts and that commit that from, from now onwards, you're available. Yeah. That's the first thing. The second thing I would say to you would be, learn as much as you can about the gifts. Uh, don't see the conference as like the be or an end or see the conference as the beginning, the beginning. Because so, what the conference is going to do is it's going to empower you with the knowledge and also the anointing that you need to activate the gifts. But if you're not willing to make yourself available after the conference to be used, then it will be dormant. It will be there, but it will not be effective. And I've seen many, many believers in many conferences where God gives them what they've been asking for, what that conference is designed for, but they never put it to use. So I learned as a young as a, as a Christian growing to act on what I was hearing from the pulpit. And uh, many times after like a, a conference or an event or a, even a Sunday service, if they said you were preaching about prayer, then I would initiate something to do with prayer. If they were preaching about evangelism, I would initiate it. I would always get permission, of course, from my pastor. Um, if it's to do with the gifts of the spirit, then I would seek to, implement you know what they said um and so by so doing i grew in the graces that were being released from the pulpit so i would say to you first of all ask god for the grace whatever gifts that is on your heart that you want to see keep asking him lord i want this in my life i want this in my life. Well, that's what i did i i have done that over the years and i, I and i still do and now I'm asking for a dimension that I've not walked in hitherto. But be before, I would ask for what I'm walking in now. So I would ask for it, 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 I would ask for it. And then also, I learned about them, how the gifts work, how, how, what, what they're about. And so by learning about it, my faith was built up. There's a very interesting verse in, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. And Paul says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, the more you hear words of faith, the more your spirit is tuned to exercise faith. And so miracles were taking place amongst the Galatians because of what they were hearing. And as they were hearing it and believing it, it was being released. All right? Yeah. No, that's that's excellent. Thank you very much. Um, just again as well, should we be praying for an activation of all the gifts, or should we be um, focused on gifts that we um, asking the Lord for the specific gifts He wants us to walk in? Sure. So now that's another very good question. Again, I'll say it like this: God will never give one person all the gifts. That's not how it works. But He will give a church all the gifts that the church needs, right? So, yes, we should ask for all the gifts for our church to be able to function effectively. 
But then we should focus also on the gifts that are on our hearts that we believe we want to see through our lives. And it's important that you go with what's on your heart and not what you think you should ask for. Because many times people miss it when it comes to asking God for things because they ask God for things that they think they should ask for rather than the things that they want. And faith only works where there is agreement between the heart and the mouth. The heart's desire doesn't, cannot just be switched on and off. Where your heart is, is where your heart is. So if, for instance, in your heart, you want to really operate in tongues and interpretation, but to you, it's not very dynamic. It's not very powerful. So it's really miracles you should ask for. But in your heart, you really want tongues and interpretation because for you, that's what you want. For whatever reason, you don't know why, but that's what you want. But you're, oh Lord, let miracles happen. And then also tongues and interpretation. That kind of prayer won't work because the miracles you attach it to the tongues of the interpretation is diluting the thing. Rather, focus on where your heart is, what you want to see. And, and as you focus on that, that's what God will respond to. If I had time, I would have spoken to identify what you have authority to do from um, Thank you. There are just two questions. I don't know if you'll be able to do them um, quite quickly. Um, so one is um, from Ozzy. He says, when you seek authority from God pertaining to what you are about to embark on, how do you know God's prompting to go ahead or not to go ahead? Uh, I'd encourage you to read my book, Hearing from God, right? because that would really help. No, I'm being very, very serious. Um, I honestly think that many, many Christians really shortchange themselves when it comes to this issue about knowing God's will. Because somehow, many Christians have convinced themselves that the will of God is such a mystery mm. that they better not get it wrong. Otherwise, they're in trouble. So, Aussie's question, right, which is a good question, it's a very good question, has within it this thing that it's going to be difficult for him to really know God's will, even though he wants God's will, right? And because that is already there, whatever the Holy Spirit tells him, he's going to doubt it. He's going to doubt it because already he thinks he's not really at that place of spirituality to really know the will of God, which is a myth. That's why I say you should read my book. So now, coming back to the question, how would you know? Well, it's a simple, I'd like to ask you this question. How do you know you love your wife? How do you, I can't tell you how you know you love your wife. I can't tell you how you know you love your children. I can't tell you. I could say, you know, you feel a certain way, but I can't really tell you. I could say to you, you know you love your wife because of A, B, C, and D. But nobody can tell you how you know you love your wife. Only you know. Nobody can tell you how you know you love your children. Only you know. In the same way, when it comes to God's will for your life, nobody can really, really tell you. Only you know. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make it easy for you. You need to be able to know by now God's will for your life. Honestly. Um, so I encourage you, read my book, Hearing from God, because that will actually help you. Um, I could give you easy answers, but I'm not doing that. You should be able to know by now how, what God's will is for your life. I'm sorry. If you've been a Christian for three, listen, the spirit of God that lives in you is real. Let him speak to you and respond accordingly. How do you know right from wrong? How do you know right from, apart from what's in the Bible, you have a conscience. Your conscience speaks to you all the time. God uses your conscience to speak to you. If you're doing something that he doesn't want you to do, he uses your conscience. Okay, I've helped you out. I've helped you out. So your conscience is one of the major ways God uses to speak to you. Your conscience, honestly. All right, we'll stop there. Brilliant. So one more, one more question quickly. So you mentioned how Samson's parents almost through opposition did not help with God's purpose for Samson. Oh, no, I didn't How? say that. I never said that. Okay. I never said that. 
All right. So, so the question is, okay. So, how? So the question, value. How do we, as parents, identify God's purpose for our children or child? Now, the reason why it's important that I pointed out, I never said that, was this. What Samson was asking of his parents was wrong. But the problem with Samson is this. Samson, unfortunately, is one of the worst stories of the Bible. Samson is a man who really, to all intents and purposes, was your first superhero, so to speak. I mean, here's an, a very skinny man, young man, skinny, who, when this anointing comes on him, or whenever he desired, he could access supernatural strength. I mean, tell me, where? Whenever he desired, he could access supernatural strength. And, but he was a Nazarite, and the Nazarite had certain codes of conduct, and he broke them all. He was an Israelite. Israelites had certain codes of conduct. He broke them all. One of them was that they weren't supposed to marry outside of Israel. So already he was breaking the law by desiring what he wanted. And he was self-willed. So even though his parents said it's not the right thing, he still wanted it. Now, because of how he was, God used it in spite of Samson for his purposes. It's as if God had given up that Samson would change. Therefore, God used his stubbornness, his selfishness for his own ends. It does not mean God approved. And this is why it's important that I differentiate that it's, it's not the same thing as what you're asking. Now, that being said, how do we, the question was about how we help our children in terms of God's will. Am I correct? How do we as parents identify God's purpose for our children? Again, I'd encourage you to read my book, Hearing from God. Um, because the reason I'm saying that is this. How did you choose your child's name? Did God tell you, call him or her this name? You chose that name because of what you felt was right for your child. As a godly man or woman, as you pray for your children, as a godly man or woman, you will be able to discern what is right for your child. Um, and so it is, again... People want easy answers when it comes to these things. But the truth of the matter is, is that as you pray for your children, as you help your children to grow, if you are walking with God, you will be able to guide your children to make choices that are right for them. As long as you don't project your own personal desires into your children. So one of the key things that will help your child is that you don't project your personal failures and, uh, and things that you should have done as a child that you didn't do. You're not projecting on your children. You're going to be an accountant. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a musician. You're going to be a this because that's what you wanted to do that you failed in. No. So whatever it is that you want for your children, make sure it is because it is what you can see. They are gifted in. They have a desire towards guidance towards that rather than saying having ideals for your children that are based on some kind of um, fantasy that really God is not in brilliant thank you pastor Joe so much not only is it great that we had a great word but to be able to ask questions and and um, get some input is fantastic um, God bless you we're looking forward to the refresh conference um, next weekend and um, yeah um, hearing more from you and from what the Lord and from the other um, guys there thank you very very much